from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Where exactly did Coach K watch Duke's win over Jacksonville Monday night? How many points have Wake Forest and North Carolina scored the past two years? And Jeff Saturday, jumping from the ESPN studios in Bristol to the sideline in Indianapolis in the NFL. It's time for What's Trending. Let's do this. A cax. At Geico, you have a choice of ways you could save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online at geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. So Duke took care of Jacksonville 71-44. Monday night, Cameron Indoor Stadium. Dariq Whitehead didn't play for the Blue Devils. Derek Lively did not play for the Blue Devils. They weren't the only people missing from Cameron. Oh, yeah. The winningest coach in college basketball history, Mike Krzyzewski, is retired. So where did he watch the game? Well, he joined Adam Gold, who you can listen to right here on 99.9 The Fan, from 12 to 3 in the Adam Gold Show. And, well, he explained. Yeah, man, I watched the game. Where do you think I would have? My wife and I watched it at home and uh, um, and w- worked out great, you know, after the – I sent John a short text after the game and and then uh, we talked a little bit the next day. Uh, uh, you know, if I see a couple things, um, obviously he's coaching his team. He's doing <laughs> a great job. But uh, what I try to do is just be there when he wants to talk and uh, I'll pop in a practice once a week, or if he wanted me to be, if they're scrimmaging or whatever, now that they're in games, uh, uh, you know, to watch a game and, you know, I might ask him a question. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we have a great, great relationship. And I don't, I don't want to, I just want to be there, but not be in the way. That was Mike Krzyzewski. You can catch that full conversation from the Adam Gold Show on the best of the Adam Gold podcast. Uh, Adam's always had a great relationship with Mike. Glad that he was able to catch up with him at the start of this college basketball season. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. If you like offense, I have the just I just have the college football game for you. North Carolina. At Wake Forest, 7.30 ESPN2, down at Winston-Salem, Saturday night. The total is 77. Let me give you a point of comparison. The total for the State-Boston College game is 41, or five fewer touchdowns. Well, why is it 77? The question should be, why isn't it more? Last year, these two teams played in Chapel Hill. It was a non-conference game. The Tar Heels won 58 to 55. That's 113 points if you don't have a calculator handy. In 2020, again in Chapel Hill, this time as a conference game. I know, I just threw those in there to confuse you. Tar Heels win 59-53. That's 112 points. 112, 113. That's at least 25 more than 77, Joe. What gives? Well... If you haven't noticed, Wake Forest is kind of in the tank. 
Lost at Louisville two weeks ago, 48-21. Turned the ball over eight times. No bueno. You think, well, they're going to rebound from that? I thought so. Man, I was fooled by the Deeks. They showed up in Raleigh. Turned the ball over three times. Sam Hartman got sacked four times. They had six false start penalties. That does not sound like Wake Forest football to me. Doesn't sound like Wake Forest football to Dave Clawson either. Here's the Wake boss on why they've struggled. Right now, we're turning the ball over too much to, to beat good football teams. You know, we pride ourselves here in taking care of the football, and they made some big plays on third down. So we gave up big plays on defense. We're turning the ball over on offense. The good news for Wake is UNC ranks 100th in the FBS in turnovers forced. They forced 10 in nine games this season. But Carolina has a way, and particularly against Wake, of maybe giving up some big plays early, but then straightening things out in the second half. Two years in a row, Tar Heels were able to come back in the third quarter and really change the game and walk away on their home field with a win. Here's Clawson on his team's struggles with the Tar Heels. I still have tremors from the, the games the last two years. We ha have not, uh, the last two years, have not finished games against them. We've had leads, we haven't finished, and if you watch how they play, you know, they, they let teams in there, and it's almost like they get to a point in the second quarter or the third quarter and say, you know, it's time to get serious, guys, and then they just bang. Their, their ability to come from behind, uh, what they did to us the last two years, they've done to a bunch of teams this year. That was Dave Clawson on his team's problems with the Tar Heels. Here's one thing I know. Drake May has been outstanding this year. I have no doubt Wake, Wake's offense will score on Carolina this week. Heck, Virginia scored on Carolina last week. Virginia's rubber dog do. Drake May is the best quarterback in the ACC this year. No one in the country has more touchdown passes than he does. He has 31. He's completed a ridiculous 71% of his passes for nearly 3,000 yards in nine games. Those are those are video game numbers. Drake May is having some kind of season. And there's a reason he is. There's a reason he's really good, and Dave Clawson recognizes it. He makes plays within the design of the offense, and then where he just absolutely kills you is when the play breaks down and then he scrambles. I mean, he beat, the, he beat Duke with his scrambles. I mean, Duke had unblocked guys, and he makes them miss, and they end up as touchdowns. Drake May's ability to run really kind of differentiates him from, say, a, even a, a Bryce Young in Alabama. You know, people make the mistake thinking Bryce Young is hey, mobile. He's got to be able to run. He's small. Not the case. He's a pocket passer. Drake May's been outstanding in all facets for the Tar Heels this year. And even though Sam Hartman's had a rough patch recently, he did surpass Phillip Rivers' career record. For a touchdown responsibility in that win, in the excuse me, in the loss to the Wolfpack, he's put up some he's put up some great numbers, and Mac Brown has been impressed with Sam Hartman. I don't know if if we should go this far, but you know what? Mac Brown's got to do what Mac Brown's got to do, and nobody knows how to sell 
a bald man a comb like Mac Brown does. Uh, Sam Hartman, uh, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play college football. It, it's funny the you start looking at uh, Brennan Armstrong last week and the records that he set for the ACC. Um, Sam Hartman's the same. He is very very accurate. He, he's uh, he's he's won so many games. Here here's what he's done to us the last two years. In 2020, he threw for 429 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. And then in 2021, he threw for 398 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he's thrown nine touchdowns and nearly 900 yards on us the last two years. I totally get why Mac Brown wants to compliment Sam Hartman. I get that. And I get the career record. He just passed for Phillip Rivers. Now, there's been some extra games in there, of course. And... Believe it or not, Sam Hartman has another year of eligibility if he wants to come back and do and do some more real damage to the record book. It will never be broken, uh, a six-year player. But calling him one of the best players in college football history, that might be a little bit much. Might be. Either way, going to be a great game Saturday down in Winston-Salem. Looking forward to it. Next up. I'm also looking forward to... Jeff Saturday's debut with the Indianapolis Colts. If you're not familiar with the story, earlier in the week, the Colts fired Frank Reich. If you're not familiar with the story, the Colts are openly tanking this year. They've benched Matt Ryan. He's old. He's not mobile. But he's still effective. But they benched him. Why? Oh, because they have Andrew Luck. No, dude. They got a jabroni from Texas who's like six foot and doesn't belong in the NFL. So they're tanking already there on that front. And Frank Reich was probably protesting behind the scenes. Hey, guys, I'm not really interested in this. He gets fired. That's fine. So what do they do? Do they get somebody on Frank Reich's staff? Well, the previous week they fired the offensive coordinator. Well, surely there's someone on the staff who has experience. Well, actually, yes. John Fox, former Panthers coach, former Broncos coach. So they just turned it over to John Fox, right? Mm, no. They just turned it over to somebody on the staff, right? Mm, no. Turned it over to Jeff Saturday, who just so happened to be working for ESPN as an analyst. Now, Jeff Saturday spent 14 years in the NFL. Played with Peyton Manning. Played with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he had an outstanding career. I also know the position that he played, center, is conducive to understanding the offense and the intricacies of it. And I do think that experience would help him be a good coach. In the middle of the season, on the fly, without a bye week, it's probably asking a lot. But after the initial criticism, Saturday, who's white, you know, kind of being given the opportunity as, you know, let's call it white privilege, of getting, kind of cut the line and be the interim coach without having to go through any kind of process or even experience as an NFL assistant. I get that part of it. But I do think there is something to that experience that Saturday's had. I'm not saying he's going to lead the Colts on some sort of barnstorming tour. But I don't think it's the same as hiring a random person off the street. Here's Jeff Saturday's thoughts on it. He's impassioned about it. Here's the deal. 
Everybody talks about my, I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about, are you as qualified as somebody else? Bro, I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had, I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two, like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. I like it. I like it. I mean, I don't know what else he's going to say, but I'll take it. You know, it's been an interesting week for the Colts, and we'll see what they do. They take on the Raiders. If you missed it last week, Jeff Saturday, armchair ESPN analyst, was like, man, the Raiders stink. Uh, yeah, they play the Raiders this week. The Colts, by the way, if you're looking for a, a sharp number, 0-9 in the first half against the spread this year. I can't imagine they fire out of the gate. I just can't imagine that they fire out of the gate this week. I have been wrong many, 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 many times before, but we'll see how this one goes. Elsewhere in the NFL, Josh Allen has an injured elbow has he been officially ruled out yet, Dennis Cox, for nope. Sunday's game? Did with not the, with practice the today. Okay. But he is still listed as questionable. All right. If you don't practice Wednesday or Thursday, you better be Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, and not that Josh Allen isn't outstanding. And if it was the playoffs, I would say absolutely get him out there. Sure. The Bills play Minnesota this week. Having Minnesota's having a good season. Record-wise, yeah. But that's a team the Bills can beat without Josh Allen. Next week, they play the Browns. By the way, Case Keenum is the backup for Josh Allen. His former teams are, two of them, the Vikings, Mm -hmm. the Browns. Yeah. So let's just have the Case Keenum revenge tour, play those two games, and then you got a Thanksgiving showdown with the Lions who stink. Yeah. I love Dan Campbell, but the Lions stink. They're bad. You could give Josh Allen some time. They they said it's not a tear. It's a ligament injury in his right elbow, his throwing elbow. I would imagine rest is the answer here, at least in the short term. I actually think the the Bills, call me crazy, given their defense, I actually think they could still win the Super Bowl without Josh Allen. That is crazy pill stock. I get that. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's enough NFL for now. What's next? Number two. The Hurricanes lost their second straight game last night. Went down to Florida, took on former coach Paul Maurice. They also had a Stahl family reunion. Eric Stahl played in his 1300th NHL game. His brother Mark also plays for the Panthers. And, of course, the captain of the Hurricanes is Jordan Stahl. Pretty cool moment down in Sunrise last night. Not cool that the Canes lost their second straight and didn't score. Their offense seems to be missing. They're going to need it tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. But here's Adam Gold's two-minute recap of the Canes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. All right, fellas, I got two minutes, thanks to our friends at Dysar Willis, for some good and a lot of bad in the 3 nothing loss in Florida last night. First of all, let's get to the good. For the first time really all year, K-12 
Carolina got a great performance from a goaltender. That could have been a whole lot worse were it not for Auntie Ranta. And now a odd man opportunity in and Ranta! Mercy! Robbing Sam Reinhardt! Oh my, Auntie Ranta! Out in front! And a stick made by Slavin and a big save by Ranta as Verhage got free. And now a chance for Lombard. Lombard in on Ranta and he makes the save! 33 saves, 35 shots on him. Auntie was great. He won't play tonight against Edmonton because they don't want to break Auntie Ranta, especially with Freddie Anderson being a little bit hampered with whatever Freddie is hampered with that we don't know about. All right, now to the ugly and the fact that this team cannot score goals. And I want to defend the front office here. I don't need to defend the front office, and I am not normally the guy who defends the front office. I am the one who's critical of them. A lot of fans think that, well, they should have re-signed Trocek, should have re-signed Nita Ryder, should have re-signed Tony D'Angelo. Folks, that ain't the reason why the Hurricanes are struggling to score. Tavo Teravainen, no goals, 13 games. Zip, zilch, nada, bupkis, nothing. 13 games. Seth Jarvis, just three in 13 games. Yes, Perry Kotkaniemi has won, and that was an accident. Those guys need to produce. It can't only be Aho, Natchez, Svechnikov, and Brent Burns. It can't be. It has to be other guys. It has to be the guys you're expecting to score. And then anything you get from Foss, Stahl, Martinuk, etc., is gravy. Until Tavo and Seth and KK start putting the puck in the net, it just might be a work in progress. Thank you very much, Adam Gold. You can listen to Adam at 6.30. He'll have the Stormwatch taking you up to puck drop at 7 o'clock between the Oilers and the Canes tonight. Listen to that game right here on 99.9. The fan, we got the Panthers in action tonight, too. Hmm. Which Panther team will show up tonight? I think I have an idea, but I've been wrong about the Panthers before. We'll do that next. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Joe Ovius down at his bro's wedding down in Florida. We back on Monday. Congrats to David, young David. He's all grown up. Can the Panthers grow up? Do they want to grow up? At this point, two and seven. Panthers are. Two games out of first place at two and seven. That's how wacky the NFC South is. Wacky, crappy, interchangeable. The team they're playing is in first place, the Atlanta Falcons. And they just played the Atlanta Falcons and basically beat the Atlanta Falcons. They had all but the extra point. You recall uh, October 30th, down at the Dome in Atlanta. It's 34 34. A miracle play by D.J. Moore. 62-yard laser from P.J. Walker. Then Moore takes off his helmet. They call a penalty. Eddie Pinheiro misses the extra point. 
the Panthers haven't been the same team since. They end up losing that game 37-34 in overtime. And then I don't know what other way to put it other than they did not show up against the Cincinnati Bengals last Sunday. It was 35-0 at the half against the Bengals. They were awful. You could sit here and tell me you're not tanking. I believe you. But something was wrong last Sunday. A group of, of professionals does not act that way if they're not tanking. It was bad. Really bad. I suspect, after being embarrassed last week that and coming back home, that the Panthers should show a little bit of fight tonight. Should. P.J. Walker, last week, gets the start, completes three passes out of ten for nine yards and was picked twice. Um, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to Google it real quick. Oh, that's bad. This is the same guy the previous week against the Falcons who threw for 317 yards. And by the NFL's own metrics, threw the most impressive pass of the season, the 62-yarder to Moore, which should have won the game. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned they're two and seven. Falcons are four and five. I'm not suggesting the Panthers are going to make some miracle run. But I mean, you could have a little bit of pride. And if you have a little bit of pride, they'd only be a game out of first place if they could win this game tonight. Here's Steve Wilkes, interim coach, on realizing, believe it or not, after that craptastic effort at Cincinnati, they're not out of this thing. It's the next opponent. It just so happened it's a Atlanta divisional game. And uh, we want to win this game no different than how we want to win last week's game. So uh, it does put us in a situation where we won game out, you know, being able to get this game. So uh, it's important, but uh, it's not the end of the, uh, end of the year. we got to go play hard. we gotta, we got to come out and execute and be the team that I know we can be, as, as we've shown the previous two weeks. Unfortunately for the Panthers, Cordell Patterson did not play in that game in Atlanta. They're running back. We'll be back this week still. The Falcons had success running the ball against the Panthers, and Steve Wilkes knows that's the key to success here tonight. We know for a fact that uh, we got to stop the run against these guys, and uh, they do a great job running the ball. Patterson is back the, uh, this go-round, which we didn't play against him before. Uh, and likewise, we have to do a great job of establishing run up front. So I think that's where the game is going to be won uh, in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and based off what we didn't do this past week, we got to do a great job early on stopping that run. They're going to take the shots over the top. I mean, that's what they do with the vertical game off play action, and we got to be ready for that. Panthers in action tonight, taking on the Falcons, trying to get their – I don't even know. You can't get their season back on track, but it is kind of wacky that if they win the game, they'd only be a game out of first place in their own division. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm a voter in the AP Top 25. 
Every week, I get a tweet from Oregon fans. There's one in Durham. Now I'm joined by an Oregon grad and an Oregon fan in the studio, Paul Ihander. Just so happens to be my new boss. Paul, welcome to the hey, Triangle. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Welcome to the OG. <laughs> Even better. I mean, right? What a great place to make a debut. All right. So, am I a hater? Sure. I, I have the Ducks. Sure. Yes. Just say yes. I have the Ducks at number <laughs> nine in my AP poll this week. When you look at the college football playoff rankings, they're number six. So I ask you, do I suffer from East Coast bias? At nine? Yes. No, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, I mean, I the, do. I do have them in front of USC and UCLA. That's and Utah. a that's a good place for them to be. Okay. That's your your spot on right there. Based on the win that you know Chip Kelly couldn't get against the Ducks a couple of weeks ago, they still and they don't play USC this year because of just how the Pac-12 revolving door of scheduling goes. Oregon's toughest te- tests come this weekend against Washington, who came back and beat Oregon State last week. Uh, late in that one. That one ended like at 2 a.m. Eastern time, which was terrible. I have Washington ranked. You're okay with that yeah. one. That, that's uh, that's been uh, that's been quite the story up there. Michael Penix is is an amazing. Uh, Penix is a heck of a quarterback. Um, Apparently, the Pac-12 is the the portal champions of the world, man. We love the portal. Bill Walton likes to call it the Conference of Champions. Maybe they're the portal champions. Well, they still call it the Conference of Champions. We're just losing two of them in a couple of years here to the to a defection. We'll just mm-hmm. call it a defection. Uh, Washington coming up, Utah coming up, Oregon State at the end of the year been ranked, unranked, Utah, that same kind of deal. So the toughest stretch for the Ducks comes right here at the end of the season. But they need to win games. I mean, they have to, they have, first of all, they have to win out. We know this. Yeah. But if you see on your betting apps, for those of you who live in legal betting states who are listening to us, <coughs> Virginia, um, if you see an over-under on this thing, anywhere under 60, pound that over. And if you've got, if it's an Oregon number under 40, pound that over. They have yet to score under 40 points with the exception of the debacle at the start of the season, of which I was in attendance at, (laughs) against the Georgia Bulldogs, who now really look unstoppable after throttling Tennessee last week. Okay, and I think that's where my hesitation with Oregon comes from. Is that the Georgia game, really? Yes. That's where it comes from? Stop it. We've seen SEC So you were there, but you were there. I was there. I was there. And what did you think? The best part about that game was the tailgating for me. <laughs> it was brutal. Oh, that was ugly. I've. It, it's funny because that was the game that even all Oregon fans listening, Pac-12 fans and Auburn, like, Bo Nix haters oh, were like, yeah. Bo Nix, oh, man, we're so glad he transferred. He's there. Uh, let, let, he's now Oregon's problem. They're starting him at quarterback. They got nobody left. Oregon's going to just go into the dregs. Speaking of... East Coast bias. Maybe this is North Carolina bias. We've we've heard some people advocate for Drake May, North Carolina's quarterback, to be in the Heisman conversation. I like Drake May, by the way. I wasn't a believer early. I saw him play against Coastal. Uh, I mean, not in a Coastal, but uh, Georgia, Georgia State, St- Georgia State uh, several weeks ago. And I was like, I get it, but I don't get it. Do you think Bo Nix should be in the Heisman conversation? He has to be. He has to be. Has to be. He has to be. The touch, the the offensive output, based on just based on what you see across this country. Name seven other offensive players who have made that kind of an impact on their team. And then look at the defensive side. It's rare, again, defensive winning a Heisman Trophy. But you start start going through the, the, the same names of lists over and over. C.J. Stroud, Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett at Georgia who... Oh, no, we're not somehow, putting Stetson Bennett well, in there, right, are we? But, but no, I don't think so. But you again, you're looking at the same kind of class of names. Yeah. Nick's 
if there was a comeback player of the year, Heisman, oh, no doubt, it's his to go. But based on his offensive numbers, the fact that he's really pushing that team in terms of rushing as well, that it's they're they're eight and one. Would you love to see the uh, and Paul Ihander is my new boss. He's joining us here. He's an Oregon fan. We're trying to discern if I have an East Coast bias. I probably do. I'm not going to lie to you, um, but I do have a question for you. And I love what the Pac-12 did this year. They are still technically in divisions, but the two best teams will meet for the Pac-12 championship. So, as you said, Oregon does not have USC on their schedule. They do not. But if USC wins out and Oregon wins out, we're going to see the Ducks and the Trojans. If that team shows up with one loss on Selection Sunday, I don't care what anything else happens. Do you think the Pac-12 champion, under that circumstance, belongs in the college football playoff? With one loss at that point, if TCU doesn't get past Texas, yes. Okay. But, but I'm a believer in the undefeateds right now. Oh, no. So that's what it is. But you still have Ohio State, Michigan, and they still have to square off. So someone's going to get in eventually. Paul, I, I was having a nice calm day. I know you're having a nice calm day. And now you want to tell me that the unbeatens belong in front of the one-loss teams. Yes. You think Michigan is better than Tennessee? For real? Today? Yes. If they beat Ohio State, yes. Well, they haven't played Ohio State. But when they do that... That's different. If they run Ohio State out of the building, yes. Which they did last year. Right. But and they could do again this you're year. Saying, you're saying right now, if you're on the selection committee, you would have Michigan, who has played absolutely no one, ahead of Tennessee. It's not their fault. Who has Roadhouse. Oh. It's not their fault. It's not their it's fault. It's not their fault. That's how that, that's they, just how it sets up. They bought that's out the, the UCLA non-conference game and replaced them with Hawaii. Sure. So and whose George, fault is that? And Georgia does that every year. Alabama does that every year. I mean, look at their non-conference schedule. Georgia, I think Georgia played Ball State this year. Alabama may have well, played well, an Georgia actual. Played, Georgia played your Ducks they this year. They did, but that was game one. We've seen more than enough stories within college football over the past decade where a team in game one or game two loses a game but ends up in the conversation at the end of the year. That's what's happening with Oregon this year. But again, you see Oregon's got to run the table. 11-1 and one at the end of the season, most Ducks would still take, most Duck fans, and I'm a college football fan, but as a Duck and an alum and someone who pays money to that school to uh, endow scholarships, small ones, by the way, not big ones, but small ones, um, they, they deserve to be in that conversation. We're going to have to talk more about strength of schedule and just because you beat crappy teams, you're ahead of a team like Tennessee that roadhouse LSU and beat Alabama. Sure, but then got rolled at Georgia. They did, but not as bad as 49-3. Yeah, in the opening game of the season. <laughs> in the opening game of the season, under does a it, brand new head coach. It, does it not count because it was the opener? The opener is distant memory. It's what have you done for me lately. That is the college football way. You clearly, we got to go here in a second, but you, we clearly, you clearly call, follow college football. Love college football. The expansion to 12 teams, wouldn't that just... Uh, expand the umbrella to include more West Coast fans. It gives us a lot more to talk about, that's for sure. Absolutely. This is the OG, Paul Ihander. Thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, I have East Coast bias. I'll, I'll own it. But we'll see what the Ducks can do with their final games. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.